Welcome to Bardstown Church of God audio sermons. We hope that this teaching will bless you. Share with us how God is moving in your life and how this message impacts you by visiting us online at bardstowncog.com. Are you ready? It's time for the word. Revelations chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. express to you this morning how important it is for the Word of God to be central in your life. It's the center. It's, it's what will keep you in this hour that we're living in. It's something that will help you to grow. Uh, scripture tells us, Peter, when his epistle says that we are to desire the sincere milk of the Word. Paul tells the Corinthian church when he writes to them, he said, I wanted to feed you me, but you were not to, to receive it. And, and, you know, I want to be a growing Christian. Does anybody else want to be a growing Christian? I want to be a growing Christian. See, I, I believe that you just don't get saved to just kind of like, okay, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. That's an awesome thing. But I'm telling you, to live this life as a Christian is the best life. And to grow in the knowledge, the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is so powerful. And I want to challenge you in this hour that we live in to make sure that you're focused on the Word and know how. Everybody say know how to live in this present world. Revelations chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. As you know that uh, John is out on the Isle of Patmos, John the Beloved, and he has experienced uh, meeting Christ in this. He was called up in the, when you get to chapter 4, he's called up to heaven and began to see things, but the Lord Jesus begins to tell him to write things. He begins to write them down. But at the very beginning, and beginning with Revelations chapter 2 through chapter 3, those two chapters, it's a writing to the churches. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but not a lot. But this particular church that is written to here is in Revelations chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And you'll know the city, the church here. Here it goes. And unto the angel the church in Sardis write these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars I know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead be watchful and strengthen the things which remain watch this that are ready to die for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father. Jesus is talking. And before his angels. But notice this. He 
he finishes with saying, he that hath ears to hear. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I want to title this message today, Are You Dead or Alive? Are you dead? Are you alive? Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. We're so dependent upon you. It's in you that we live, we move, and have our being. Thank you for life, but thank you for eternal life. Lord, you speak today. Let me be a conduit, a vessel. Let me be a mouthpiece. Let me be the preacher and preach the word and be strong in it today. God, he or she that hath an ear to hear, let them hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking in this hour. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. God bless you. And as you're being seated, would you give the Lord an ovation of praise, an ovation of praise to our God. I don't know about you, but when every time when I grew up and, and many times in my life when I would hear that the text or the scripture that would be read for the sermon, it, when they would say the book of Revelations, immediately I could get a little tense. And I think that there's some folks that are could get a little tense this morning because you realize that Revelations is pointing most of it to the end of time as we know it. And I'm going to say this. I believe that we're embarking upon the end of this world. It can't be much longer. The world is in great consternation right now and turmoil. There is an uneasiness amongst people. People that I've met over the last almost five years here and outside of this church and Many of them do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm picking up that they've got this uneasiness. They, they have a sense that something is about to change and something is about to happen. And when things, things are being set in motion right now, and I'm going to tell you everything is going to accelerate from this moment on. I believe that with all of my heart. The church... We need to understand that things are really changing rapidly. The church needs to be aware of God's timing. Everybody say God's timing. We must live with a sense of urgency as foretold by the scripture, the Bible, because we see events unfolding right now. When you go to Matthew chapter 24, it talks about wars and rumors of wars. It, it talks about earthquakes and divers places. And, and Jesus said in the last days that men would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Uh, or Paul would in 2 Timothy 3. And men would, would, would have a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. We're living in this day right now in this moment. If you really want to know, I believe on God's time clock, that we are in the 11th hour. We need to know our position in this hour. So listen, if you have a sense of Scripture and you've grown up in the house of the Lord, you know, you know that everything culminates around Israel. The end day, the very end culminates around Israel. There's going to be a great battle fall. Jesus Christ is coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to have a name on his thigh written, King of kings and Lord of lords. 
There's going to be a host riding with him. He's going to be riding a white horse. I believe I'm going to be riding a white horse with him. He's going forth to conquer and defeat the enemy. And I know that nations are rising up right now. There's an uneasiness. Iran is playing a, a, I didn't come to teach this or preach this in entirety, but Iran plays a very important role in the end times. We know that Iraq plays an important times. Nations are being pitted against one another. America is involved. We've got troops out in the Mediterranean Sea. Everything could just explode. And World War III, as some would call it, could happen any moment. Guess what? I believe that Jesus Christ, before the second coming, the end of the book of Revelations, that Jesus Christ is going to rapture the church. If you want to know what's on God's time clock, the next big event, we're out of here. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 16, that Jesus Christ shall descend from heaven on a cloud. Amen. With a great shout, and the trump of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I know that the word rapture is not in the Bible, but rapture means called up. And we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. This is what I know. I'm not come to bring you scripture and verse, but I'm come to tell you the word. We have not been appointed unto wrath, but unto salvation. I believe that God has delivered his people from the great years of tribulation. There's going to be seven years of tribulation. But the church has to leave first. If you want to know what's on God's calendar and what's about to happen, it's going to be the rapture of the church. It's going to be those whose names have been written down in the Lamb's book of life. It's going to be those that's been washed in the blood and their garments are pure as white as snow without spot or wrinkle because the blood of Jesus did it. I want you to give God a shout because you can say the blood of Jesus did it. I want to speak today to people who find their identity in the church. I said it. Who finds their identity in the church this morning. But I also want to speak to people who doesn't find their identity in the church. Here's what you need to know. When someone has found their identity in the church, it means that they first found their identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't have one without the other. I'm just preaching it. I know some of you all talking about a building, and let me tell you, it's more than a building because we are the church. We are the temple of the living God. But can I tell you that it just so happens that we are the church, and the, the Greek word is ecclesia, which means the called out ones. And we come together to gather ourselves together. And, and listen, the church gets together. If you go to the book of Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost when the church as we know it was birthed, when they were all in one mind, one accord, in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And all of a sudden there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire that set upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Some thought they were drunk. And Peter stands up and said, how do you think that these people are drunk? 
Seeing it's just early in the morning. This is that that is spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days I would pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your young men and your old men. Your young men's going to see visions. Your old men are going to dream dreams. Uh, on your sons and on your daughters. On my handmaidens. They're going to prophesy. They're going to be filled with the spirit. Peter stands up. And he, they're, they're thinking what is this? Peter said this is that that Joel prophesied, but he preached Jesus Christ. 3,000 souls were saved that day. Can I tell you the church is the body of Christ? That's who we are, but we meet together just like they did in the book of Acts. They went from house to house. They met in the synagogue. They broke bread. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Can I tell you the church needs to have those things going on in it for them to be ready for the rapture. Come on, somebody. And not only that, but in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much more as you see the day approaching. The day is approaching and we are to exhort one another, hey, it's important to be in the house of the Lord. You need to hear the preached word of God. You need the fellowship of the saints. You need to grow in the Lord. Can I tell you, this thing is about to culminate. We're about to leave here. But you better not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Come on, somebody. I feel like telling some of my family that don't feel like the church is important. And there's a doctrine that's going around, a teaching today, that you don't need the church. Can I tell you, if you say you don't need the church, you're saying I don't need the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. If you say you don't need to be in the house of the Lord, you're saying I don't need Jesus. Dear God, listen, there's a lot of folks, I, I, I get it, there's a lot of folks who would love to be here today. They're in, they're in a nursing home, they're in a nursing facility somewhere, they want to be here. There's people who are sick, but God forgive us when we're healthy, but we got more important things to do than to be in God's house, be ready for the rapture of the church. Amen. Woo. So when someone finds their identity in church, it means first they found their identity in Christ. It is a relationship with Christ and His church that is the most important identity that you will have, especially in the closing hours of this time. The church has been revealing Christ for over 2,000 years. I haven't seen Jesus. I haven't seen Him walking around anywhere. Have anybody seen Him around? I haven't. But Jesus, before He left this world, He had spent 33 and a half years, three and a half years of ministry, on this earth, he died, he was executed, murdered by Romans. And it was because the Jews who came to save the lost house of Israel, the lost sheep, the house of Israel, that was his first order of business. They turned away from him. They stood at the cross and said, crucify him. Before that, they, Pilate wanted to release a prisoner. They said, give us Barabbas, murder Jesus. Jesus preached these three and a half years of ministry, but it was all because he came to die for not just Israel, but for the sins of the world. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So he was murdered. He laid in a tomb for three days, but he got up on the third day. He said, I have the power to lay my life down and I have power to pick it back up again. 
And he did that for us. But before he left, he was seen of many infallible proofs for over 40 days. For 40 days, he was seen. Thomas said, I won't believe he's resurrected. The others told him, said, I won't believe till I'm able to touch the nail prints in his hands. And I see him for myself. And when he showed up, Jesus did before Thomas. He said, come here, Thomas. <laughs> Put your hands on the nails, Prince. Put your hand in my side, that scar. Come on, do it. And he said, my Lord and my God, can I tell you that Jesus is alive? But he said this to them in Acts 1 and 8. He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In other words, reveal who I am. Reveal what I've done. And through your gospel preaching and the Great Commission, you shall reach the world for me. They shall be saved. So we've been revealing Jesus for over 2,000 years. Something is about to change. I, I would say to anybody, if you want to know really what's up, just keep your eyes on the church. Keep your eyes on the church. The earth, the church will be removed in the near future. Here's some instruction. I know some of you say, is he going to get to that scripture that he read? Here we go. Here's instruction. Number one, don't be a church or a member of a church in name only. Don't be a Christian in name only. Watch this, verse 1 of Revelations 3, and under the angel of the church at Sardis. Sardis uh, was an ancient Greek city located in the western part of what we know now as modern Turkey. It served as the capital city of, or, or the capital of Lydia. It was the culture center of Asia Minor. But he says to the church at Sardis, he speaks, and he says, right, he says this to the angel of the church, every church of the seven churches had an angel, a messenger, that was to speak on the behalf and the words of Jesus. And it said, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God. Now, there's not seven spirits. There's only one Holy Spirit. But what that means is the completion, uh, the, the perfection of the Holy Spirit. And it says that, uh, that he, these are the things that he that holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, which are the seven messengers, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and are dead. Imagine that. Sardis is a church with a name that it's alive, that it's full of energy, that it's, it's full of everything it needs to be. But the messenger says, Christ says, you're a dead church. They are dead. What does it mean? They're dead spiritually. They're meeting together. They're coming together. They've got a name over their door, but they're dead. What does that mean? That means they're without Christ. On paper, many churches, and it means they're without the Spirit, the Holy Spirit moving. On paper, many churches have documents of their beliefs. The Church of God, Cleveland Assembly, we have what we know as the Declaration of Faith. We believe, thus we believe. We have doctrinal commitments. We have practical commitments. Doctrinal commitments are the theology, the, the, the Word of God and its truth and its entirety. And the practical commitments is how we live that out from a scriptural standpoint. And so, but these people are spiritually dead in Sardis, but we have our beliefs and many churches has their documents of belief. 
But for many churches, they have a name on on paper that they're alive and there's nothing wrong with their doctrine, but they're still dead. Because all they got, what they got is on paper, but there's no movement of the Spirit. There's no preaching of the Word of God. There's no rightly dividing the Word of God. We've become seeker-sensitive, and, and we want to please everybody, and preachers want to, to preach something that will make people feel good. If we're going to make the rapture, if we're going to be ready for what's going to happen here in a short while, we need the Word of God, and we'll need to know how to live in this present world that we're in. See, many churches, the Word of God may be preached somewhat, but not in the entirety. Songs of worship are being sung without the Holy Spirit. There's no breath without the Holy Spirit. There's no breath in the church. Many churches are filled to capacity. They're reaching their communities with feeding the poor and clothing them and having many programs, but they're dead. Many churches are dead because they're blind to their tradition. They're blind to their tradition or their rules that they follow instead of dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ. A church without the Holy Spirit is not a church at all. The church of Sardis needed a spiritual revival. I just want to stop there and say that the church in America needs a spiritual revival. I want to say this in Bardstown Church of God and our churches in our community, we need a spiritual revival. It's not a few services that we say, well, we had a revival. The preaching was good. I'm talking about where that there's changed lives. I'm, I'm talking about where the Holy Spirit is welcome and moving in our midst and, and we've dropped our agendas and we've dropped our programs and we're ready to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us. He says this to them. He at Sardis says, I know thy works. They looked the part. They looked like a church. And the Lord knew their works. God knows everything about every church. He knows everything about you as a Christian, as being a member of his church. Your name being written. He knows everything about you. Verse 2, the second part of it says, But he says, For I have not found, but I have not found thy works perfect before God. What does that mean? Incomplete. Not done with the right motives. Self-serving. It is a church no longer Christ-centered or Spirit-led. My heart breaks. I I just, I want to share this just briefly, and you've probably heard me say this before, but when I was called to preach, I knew I was called to be a pastor. To be a shepherd of sheep. Never had to search beyond that first calling. I knew what he was talking about. Here's how he did it. My wife and I, we had just been married a short while. And by the way, I think I've told you this. She said, I'd never, she said I'll never marry a preacher. Well, I wasn't at the time. And I had said, I'll never be a PK. I'll never be a preacher's kid. I'll never pastor a church. God's got a sense of humor. But I'll never forget when the burden for the church fell on me. A calling. We'd been married a short while. I was about 19 years old. Get off of work. I'm happy. I've got my dream job. Got my dream wife. You know, all that stuff. Living the dream. Thinking about building, about buying a home. And so here, here we are. And I get off work. And I can't wait to get home and clean up. And just, you know, have the night. And I get in the shower and I start soaping up. And all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to me. And he says, I'm going to take my church out of a church. And when he said that, I knew what he meant. It just basically 
that there's a people that has a name, but they're not his. There's a people that comes to church, they're not born again. I heard a pastor, one of the largest mega church pastors that I know of, and I've heard his teaching for years. Great man of God, one of my best friends. He was on staff there, and he was talking about how that he was doing ministry, and he realized in a hotel with another minister that he was not born again. God woke him up. Can I tell you, our churches are full of people, a lot of them. But they're not ready for the rapture. Some of them are not born again. Some of them are not where they need to be. And can I tell you, my heart breaks because I see nominal churches and church movements that's going through the motion, but there's no spirit, there's no life, there's no preaching of the Word of God. I'm praying for God to raise up pastors, evangelists, teachers. Come on, somebody. Apostles that will raise up in this last day and realize the hour. Oh God, give us a Macedonian call like Paul had. We need help over here. We want, there's people that needs to hear this gospel. I want God to send us to people that are ready to hear it. The problem with a deceased church is that they don't recognize it. Mostly they don't recognize it. Rarely do they recognize their condition. A dead church will often function in its own power, in its programs, its pomp, and attribute it to the momentum of who Jesus Christ is. Celebrating every temporal victory as if they, it had eternal merit. If it doesn't have eternal merit, we don't need to be doing it. Let me ask you a question. Are you dead or alive? Here are some things that do not show a person is saved. And alive in Christ, attending church doesn't make you saved. Or a member of the church, his church. Taking communion doesn't mean that you're saved. Water baptism doesn't mean you're saved. Tithing does not mean that you're saved. Singing worship songs does not mean that you're saved. Praying does not mean that you're saved. Calling yourself a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Reading the Bible doesn't make you a Christian. Wow. But here are some things that does make you a Christian. I'm not going to quote these scriptures. I got them in front of me. But walking in the light as he is the light, that's who a Christian is. Confessing your sin, that he, knowing that he's faithful and just to forgive you. And as a Christian, you fall down, but you get up and you tell the Lord, I'm sorry. You keep his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's loving the brethren. If you say that you love God and you hate your brother, how can you love God? Because you hate your brother. Come on, I'm preaching the word of God to you. What you do is you pursue holiness. You pursue purity. See, what we know is that Jesus is coming and every man that has this hope within himself keepeth himself pure as he is pure. 1 John chapter 3. And that we have the Holy Spirit. If we don't have the Holy Spirit of God in us, we are none of his. And we love God. We love God. We know the love of God. We know it passeth all understanding. We know that the love of God sent Jesus Christ to the cross, to the place of execution. We should have died for our sins, but he died in our, in our place. He became the scapegoat. Oh, God, give us gospel preaching. Give us people that are witnesses in this last day to say that Jesus saves. And people will be born again when we start preaching the gospel again. When we're full of the Spirit again. 
Point number two, what instruction are given to this church at Sardis who's a dead church, who has a name? He said this in verse 2, be watchful. That means to be alert and strengthen the things which remain. What that tells me is, is that as a whole, the church is dead, but there's a few people in that church. <laughs> they, they, they still got it. Or some of them are on the, the verge. They're just kind of like. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Watch it. This had to be at it. That are ready to die. That are ready to die. Listen, I, I get in the I get in the Word of God, and and, and you know I, I this one guy says this, and that guy says that, and one of them leaves out this part. I love the way that you just explained that, but then over here I'm like, how do you? Why don't you connect this together? Let's connect this together. Be watchful and strengthen. It's a dead church, but then he says, but strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die. This is a. This is a church that is about to die, but if there was a spiritual biopsy or, 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 or a spiritual, uh, what do you call it? I've just lost myself right there. What does the coroner do to you? Autopsy, yeah. Thank you. If there was a spiritual autopsy on a deceased church, I think there are things that we're closing more churches in America than we're opening. I have sat on the, the, our church planning board in Kentucky. I serve on the state council now, and we still discuss our churches that are closing, selling properties. And it's not just the church of God, it's other churches. I got a friend of mine that attends a church, and he told me if the, his church makes the decision that they think that they will make as a whole, he said, I'm out. I, he said, I got to have the truth. Churches are closing because they're denying the truth. They're denying the power of God unto salvation. And there's many churches that has just slowly died. Listen, death, I think about, you know, death, and I, you know, I've got, uh, I've got a few good years left in me, I believe. <laughs> I, I'm excited about that. And, and I'm going to say this, uh, Carl, you've got a few years left on you too, praise the Lord. You too, Gertrude. Can I tell you that it's important for us to finish strong? But see, the truth of the matter is, is I'm dying. Alert to you, you're dying. You're not meant to live forever in the, on this earth. You're dying. Hebrews 9 and 27, it's once appointed unto man to die, and after that the judgment. Dear God in heaven, we need to understand that even churches die slow death. We, we die slowly. I mean, we're getting older. Our bones are not what they used to be, and our lungs are not what they used to be. I hear somebody say, speak for yourself. And uh, I, I just want to, maybe I ought to go back. I feel stronger now than I did when I was 45. I do. Some people say, why do you do that? I say, because I'm wanting to live. Some people are not exercising godliness and they're not going to get to they're dying a spiritual death. But anyway, we've got the church, all these churches in Kentucky that I'm aware of 
that I watched thrive when I was a small boy and my dad pastored some of these thriving churches, that now they're dying. But it's been a slow death. It's because they got caught up in tradition and going through the motion without the Word of God and the Spirit of God moving. They become comfortable and satisfied with the way it was. We don't need nobody coming here. We don't need to grow. Listen, if you got the mindset that this church don't need to grow, you're in the wrong place because you got a pastor that believes this church is going to grow. You got a pastor that we're going to reach out. We're going to stretch our tent pegs out. We're going to do what the word of the Lord says. We're going to go in all the uttermost parts of the earth. We may not physically do it, but we're going to pray. We're going to give. We're going to do everything we can do to get this gospel to be preached into the whole, whole world. And then the end can come. Let me preach this. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before me. Pay attention. He's telling this church to wake up. You're dying. It's almost completely over now. There's just a few. Strengthen the things that remain. Strengthen the things that are remain. You're getting ready to die. Strengthen it. What do they have left? What do they have left? What is in people that are left and what could be a part of those that understands that as the, the, as the angel, the, the messenger is speaking this, Jesus Christ is speaking this. What or who still has life in this church? What is still tangible but ready to die? Can I tell you what it is? Memory. Memory. Because it says this in verse 3, the first part of it. Remember. Everybody say remember. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard. Hold fast and repent. It's out of memory what they had been taught. When the church started, when people got saved, it was their memory. He's telling to them, remember how it all started. Remember where you started at. Can I tell you we need some people to be reminded of how that it all started. How you got saved. What the Lord delivered you from. How that you loved the word of God. You couldn't wait to get to the house of God. You couldn't get wait, couldn't wait to be a part of the discipleship. Sunday school, small groups, prayer meetings, going house to house and fellowship. And can I tell you the God that I serve is looking for a church that remembers where they came from. The truth of the matter is, is a lot of our children has no idea what you know. And it's time for us to pull it. God help me. They're to hold on to that and grab it and pull it back. And when they pull it back and they understand where they've come from and what they need to pull for it, you know what they're to do with that? Repent. See, there's no repentance in church much anymore. We've done away with our altars and it's like, well, we don't need that and I don't come to the altar unless I feel led to come to the altar. Listen, there's not a day goes by that the Holy Spirit is not drawing me, Brother Tim, to an altar of prayer. It's the first thing in the morning. I make a place to let, set my knees down and lift up my hands to the God of heaven and call upon Yahweh, Jehovah. I call upon Elohim. I call upon Adonai. I call upon El Shaddai. I call upon the one that supplies all my needs 
I call upon the one who heals my body of all my diseases. I call upon the one that provides for everything that I have need of. I call upon the one that, because he's the joy of my salvation. So, uh, so they need to soak in the true gospel again. And they need to preach it boldly in the power of the Holy Spirit. Needs to be working in this church. Point number three. Then he makes a warning. It's the third, it's the second part of verse three. If therefore thou shalt not watch, everybody say warning. I got that little warning sign on my, you know, those emojis and stuff. It's right there, but my word warning. If therefore, if thou shalt not watch, be alert, wake up, repent, hold fast, those kind of things. He said, I will come on thee as a thief. Thou shalt not know, you won't know, you won't know what hour I will come upon thee. Won't know, won't know, won't know. Are you dead or alive? Get alert. Know who we are. Know who you are. There's a scripture that talks about working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm not saved because I shook the preacher's hand. I'm not saved because I go through some kind of religious thing. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. You're saved by the blood of Jesus. I want to declare boldly in this pulpit today that there is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh to the Father except by me. And I'm going to tell you, Buddha is not God. Confucius is not God. Hinduism is not God. There's only one God and one mediator between heaven and earth. And his name is Jesus Christ. And, and I declare him. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's a coming, it's a coming, it's a coming, but I choose to bow now. I choose to confess now. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my Master. When he, when he told them that he would come as a thief, He's going to come against this church in judgment. Whatever judgment that be, it would catch them by surprise. Are you dead or alive? Why is this important? Why is it important to stay alert? He said in verse 4, he said, There are a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments. It's about your garments. You know, the metaphor of garment is a, is a powerful thing. You know, it's amazing. You know, when I grew up, it's like my dad taught me uh, dress for success, you know, and uh, shine your shoes. I, I shine my shoes, and, and I try to make them look good. And my baby brother, I guess because he's the baby, he'd go to my dad's house, and he'd be at lunch break or something. And my dad, when my brother would put his shoes next to where he had laid down on the couch, dad would go get his shoe shine kit and shine that boy's shoe. I'm a 45-year-old man. Lazy. I went into me and an insurance agent in Richmond. We're, we're super. We've been super close. And he goes. He said, "Let me see your shoes, Ed." And they were clean. But I'd been out on the, been walking all over the place that day. And it was dress shoes. I had on dress slacks and all that. But dude, they didn't look so good. And he just went. Mm. 
He was a good Harlan County boy, transplanted to Richmond. And can I tell you that we as a church, we need to be dressed for success. I'm not talking about your, what you got on this morning. I'm talking about something that's far greater than what you've got on, on your body to cover it up. He said, they have not defiled their garments. People that, that are Christians, they, they're different. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Jesus said, the Sermon on the Mount says, you are the light of the world. You're a city that's set on a hill. That cannot be hid. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You're preserving. So as a church, as a Christian, we need to understand what defiles our, us. What messes our garments up? You have a desire to be clean. You have a desire to be pure. We do not claim our own righteousness. Our righteousness is filthy rags. But our righteousness is found in Jesus Christ. God's Son, and that's where our righteousness comes from. And, and through the righteousness of Christ, we have, and what He's done, we become a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. As a Christian, you, the old man is gone and the new man lives. Number four, take heed to the warning makes you ready for what's next. Verses four and five, the rest of it. And they shall walk with me in white, those that have not defiled their garment, for they are worthy. The color white refers to those who have been cleansed from their sins. It's purity. It's through the blood of Jesus. There are those who profess Christ and remain faithful to Him throughout their lifetime. We'll walk with Him in white of salvation through eternity, for they are worthy. DJ, would you come? They are worthy. Jesus is coming back for His church. When the trump of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be called up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That trumpet, it's not one of the seven trumpets in the book of Revelations. It's kind of like the Old Testament when they would have people to call at the tent of meeting in the wilderness. Moses, they would blow the trumpet and everybody would come to hear the word of the Lord. One day we're going to hear a trumpet. We're going to be gathered to the Lord. We're going to see the word made flesh right in front of us. We'll behold the Son of God. Final verse is this, verse 6. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess him. His name. Does anybody want their name confessed by Jesus? She said, I'll confess his or her name before my father and before his angels. I'll confess. Let's just play for a minute. Let's just imagine for a minute. All of a sudden, we find ourselves in heaven. We've, run, we've left here in a cloud. Jesus left her on a cloud. Remember Acts chapter 1? The disciples were watching, and Jesus was received on a cloud. He's coming back on a cloud. And so we get to heaven, 
We get on that cloud, we go back with him. And Jesus says, hey, Father God, this is Eulene. He said, this is Timmy. Come on, amen. He's introducing, this is Diane. Jesus just said, this is, and this is Casey. Look, God, Casey made it by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. He was, he's clothed in the righteousness of the blood. He's been purified, made holy. He's an overcomer. We got any overcomers? Is anybody ready to hear Jesus say your name to the Father? Come on, get to your feet and give God praise right there. Give God praise right there. Do I feel him? There's something, there's something when Jesus was here on the earth and he, it really, as a, as a young man, and even now it grips me. Because he said, if you are ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Wow. And I think about people I've met and people I meet, Brother Gary, that uh, I've worked with, and they talk as if, they really don't say, I'm a Christian. I pray. They, they don't say and confess the name of Jesus. Big guy. They, you know, when they want to talk about God or Jesus, they go like that. That is not enough. I'm going to say it loud. That is not enough. We need to speak that name Jesus above every name. And I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. That he died for me. That he was buried. That he rose again the third day. And sits at the right hand of the Father ever living to make intercession for me. And he's coming back again. That's who Jesus is. For people who wants to go. And never say his name. And ashamed to testify and witness, I wouldn't want their chances. God will be their judge. But in finality, listen up. Here's what the messenger, what Jesus ends with to the church at Sardis. He that hath an ear to hear what the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, saith unto the church. So here's two questions. Can you hear? Can the churches that are gathering together today on this Sunday, can they hear what the Spirit is saying? Can you as an individual hear what the Spirit of God is saying? Do you have a name that you're alive but you're dead? Is there anything that is a distant memory that you need to bring forth so you can strengthen what you got left. The second real question is this. Do you find your identity in Christ and in His church? We must find our identity right there because He's the head and we're His body. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can know Him in this hour. If things are dying in you, 
time to strengthen what's remaining. It's time to repent and grab fast a hold. As every head's bowed and eye closed, is there anyone in this building who would say, I'm a sinner who needs to be saved. Would you just raise your hand and right there. Is there anybody in this building who would raise your hand and say, I need to strengthen some things that remain? Because honestly, God bless those hands. Honestly, Pastor, there's some things that I'm just not as strong in anymore. I've become very weak and I feel spiritually dry and dead. So church, if you'll look this way, everybody look this way. What is our assignment till he comes? Does anybody believe with me the rapture of the church could happen any moment? Any moment. challenge you to be a strong witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you to make sure that you are doing the will of God in your life to your best. Because we got lost family. We've got a lost community. America needs a revival. The world needs a revival. For everyone that raised their hand and every Christian in this building, every Christian in this building, I want you to join with me down the front. We call this whole area. We make it an altar. Whether you bow or stand, but would you come and pray this morning? If you need Christ, if you need to strengthen things that remain, or you want to come to be a strong witness in this last hour and make your calling and election sure, come today. Come today all over the house and let us pray. We pray that you were blessed by this message. For more information about Bardstown Church of God, please visit us online at bardstowncog.com. Have a great week.